Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My SA husband and I have been married for 41 years. Discovery was a year ago, and we had a full therapeutic disclosure in November. He's doing all the recommended work, CSAT, 12-step group, mentor, sponsor, etc. He's had two slips since December and confessed to me within 24 hours. Both slips occurred when we were doing really well together. Neither one of us understand why this happens as it doesn't seem to fall in the typical addiction pattern. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Well, I'm, I just want to say how grateful I am to hear you speaking in the way you do. To me, you are a spouse, spouse who's very stable in who they are, understands they've gotten involved with someone who's a chronic emotional illness, understands that, you know, what's really important here is honesty and who's willing to say to you, you know, I, I blew it or I, I struggled with it or rather than hiding it. So this is the spouse I would want to be. This is the spouse I'd want my 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 spouse. That's too many spouses. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I would I really appreciate what you had to say, but I do think in this particular case you're taking a little too much responsibility for a slip. Um, I'm an addict. I have a slip when I get a raise. I have a slip when I that driveway has a hole in it and I never got to fill it. I have a slip when I'm late for an appointment. It doesn't really have to do necessarily with you and me at all. We could be doing. I mean, I've had situations where life was just grand, but that didn't mean that I didn't still want to go out and celebrate that because we act out whether things are good or things. So I would just suggest that, you know, um, it's something, it's an inside job. It has to do with what we're, we're dealing with. And uh, you can't make us act out. I mean, that's part of codependence. No one can make us. The coupleship cannot make me act out. You cannot make me act out. It's my choice. You know, do I go, go to a meeting? Do I reach out for help? Do I act out? But in, in any case, I don't think, and it really, Tammy, I'd love for you to address this, but I don't think there is a, once you've gotten a recovery and once you really have time and you're doing all this stuff, to me, there isn't like a typical pattern of slips. Um, it, like, I don't know about pattern. Like, I think, I don't want to say they just happened, but... No, no, I think it's always good, you know, to do like an autopsy on what was I thinking or feeling, you know, the day before the two days before, like, did something happen or not happen, you know, or so it's good to look at because you guys are doing well. Was there, you know, did somebody look, you know, cross-eyed at work or, I mean, like there's who knows, you know, what was going on, but I agree with Dr. Rob that like, you know, a reason to celebrate because things are going good, you know, a reason to, you know, drown our sorrows because things are going bad. I mean, it like, there's always an excuse. Um, uh, but I really, and, and you've been married 41 years, you know, you've, you know, you had discovery a year ago with all due respect, you guys are in the relationship for a long haul, but you're in recovery for a short time. So the fact that he's doing so well, that you are doing so well with this, that he's showing up and telling you within 24 hours, you know, I was talking to somebody, I, I think earlier today, um, doesn't matter, but, you know, and I, they said, you know, that he had a slip and I said, so he told you, no, I discovered it. I was like, that's different, you know, like, So what I hear is in this case, you know, you didn't have to go find it out for yourself. You know, they, they brought it to you, but, but it's always good for us, you know, like Dr. Rob has talked before. It's like, it's data for us to go, okay, 
you know, why, you know, what was going on for me, you know, not even in that moment. I think we give ourselves permission and then it could be the next day or whenever it is, but you know, something is shifting along the way where we're more vulnerable and we didn't recognize it, that we slid into that, you know, into that middle area where we could have gone, oops, I need to, you know, I need to go get more help call my sponsor, call, call my therapist, do something different and, you know, let ourselves slide into the danger zone. So. And, and I, I want to say sometimes it comes on suddenly. I mean, you know, the last time I really, really wanted to slip and it was a number of years ago, I was in therapy. I, I loved my therapist and she didn't show up one day. Well, guess what happened with me and my mom. And so, you know, the minute I knew she wasn't coming, I thought, Oh, I want to go act out. I didn't, I know what to do instead but it had nothing to do with, I had a great morning, you know, I had a great mm -hmm. week, we had a great weekend. It just was, I got triggered by something kind of really deep that I wasn't expecting and I hadn't sort of planned out my day, whatever. So, you know, I, I would give it the possibility that has to do with a relationship, uh, you know, pretty low odds. Um, and even if it did, um, I don't think that you're responsible either, or are you together responsible for a slip? What else we got, Tom? We have more well, questions. Yeah. I'm glad. Oh, yeah, we do. But I'm going like, and you guys are talking about it. So that's actually really good, too. So, okay. I am the partner of a porn addict. He has been doing great in the recovery process after approximately one year since D-Day. He read the book out of the doghouse, and I wanted to read it when he was done. He was okay with me reading his answers and has been um, empathetic throughout this nightmare. However, after chapter three, I became extremely angry and have not picked it up since um i am unsure as to what triggered me is a partner not supposed to read this or have i just lost my mind well i don't know so i'm not sure what else um i want to say i don't out of the doghouse is not written for spouses it's written for spouses to look at and throw at us guys and say you just don't get it do you what I would be angered by if I were reading it is how could the person I'm in a relationship not get this? It's so obvious to me that what they did or how it hurt me or, you know, I, and honestly, uh, I, I, with all due respect, I, don't, I can't remember chapter three from chapter seven in my mind. I barely know what I had for lunch. Oh, no, don't tell us. But um, it's autographed, too. Thank you, Tim. So, uh, you know, this is really a book for. Uh, it isn't really for you guys. Um, in fact, it's kind of a cheat because if you read it, you know what you will experience us doing some of the things that are in there. Uh, you know, it's a book about empathy is what it's a book about. And it is a book to teach people who have not been empathic because of their addiction or because they're men, uh, which is, you know, kind of related. Um, it's there to teach us how to be kind and understand and respect your harm. And I would imagine, as I said, if I were a partner and I read it, I would be thinking, oh, well, why don't they already know this? I mean, this is so basic. But to us, it isn't basic. You know, we think two months and some flowers and you should be over it. And so, you know, just from, the, from that perspective, um, but I don't know what else to give you here. Tammy, do you have a thought? I do, because uh, first of all, chapter three is how women and men view relationships and betrayal. But, you know, uh, which is interesting. But, but what I really, it was like, I, I, my, oh, my I reaction, my reaction to, um, he's okay with me reading his answers. And I'm like, if he wants to share his answers, you guys shouldn't get to have a conversation about it. You shouldn't have to read his answers and try to figure out what he's like. It felt like the, the, 
lazy way or the lame way of him or the avoiding way yes that's really it that's thank you that's a better word um you know it's like you sure go ahead and read it rather than him doing any of the work to talk to you about the relationship and you know and stepping into the relationship here read the book and read my answers you know so so i'm sorry that, that you were triggered and i i agree with dr rob just you know, he can, we have a work group on, on out of the doghouse because just reading the book clearly isn't enough. And um, we have a, a porn addiction 101 level one work group. If he hasn't done the, those pieces, you know, uh, he's, he's still going to be lacking the basic tools to do life differently. But on that note, we have a, a, a work group for partners too, that starts June 8th, you know, perhaps consider that we always have the drop-in groups too but get support for you i'm so glad you're here and bringing this question to us so and now that you named chapter three and what it was i'll tell you Mm -hmm. what sometimes anger partners and i don't know if this is female partners Uh is that um men aren't built like you there really is a mars versus venus and Mm -hmm. we have two different ways that we can approach sexuality um nothing to do with addiction this is about being a male I can go somewhere and have sex with someone I don't know, and I don't really care about them, and it's a fun time. This is why a lot of people go to strip clubs, or a lot of people go to places where are having some kind of sexualized experience. If we were to go home to a female spouse and say, guess what? I was just at the strip club, and it was really fun. You would associate it with, I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. How could you do this? You know, Because it's, it's much more personal and much broader for you guys than it is for us. For us, it happened at that moment. We went there. We're gone, and we move on. There is another part of our sexuality, because remember I said there were two, and that's the casual disconnected one. There's also, and I'm talking about healthy men, healthy men. And then we also have a part that is deeply engaged with you, can deeply love and be sexual with you, and, and doesn't at all have to do that other part. It's just that they're not related, that there's a part of us who, you know, I look at someone in the street, you know, whatever it is, I want to be sexual with them. In that moment, I'm not thinking about you. I'm just saying I'm in this kind of brain. And we do actually do have different kinds of brains you know we have a primitive brain and a more advanced brain and that's the problem with being an addict by the way is my advanced brain says no 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 but my much more primitive powerful brain says yes 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 but in any case um it's harder for women to separate relationship and connection from sexuality um in fact research tells me when when heterosexual women look at porn, that they are not particularly aroused by images. What they're aroused by is some kind of sense of connection between the two, uh, if there's two people. And if there's a sense of connection, they're more interested. Um, Men don't care about the connection. We just want to see the body parts. So I think oftentimes women in general is like, well, not my spouse, not my son. Well, tell me, if we're male, this is how we look at sexuality. And and I do think that there are challenges in the larger world because we don't talk about men and sex very often here. We talk a lot about women and sex, but not that much about men about men and sex. And I think that's that's a challenge. But anyway, Tammy, that's what I remember from chapter three. Um, and then you'll ask about what are gay people. And I will say uh, men are men and women are women and people in between are in between. That's what I'm going to say. And someone okay. will be mad at me, I'm sure. Well, this is, as always, take what you need and leave the rest. But we're glad you're here. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the next question is, how can I make a meaningful amends for 18 years of manipulation, lies, and betrayal? Anything I think of seems so weak, and it would come across as an insult to my wife. She wants her 18 years back. Well, I, I, 
I, I want to not speak about that part. I want to leave that to Tammy, but I will say that um, there is nothing that you can say that will make a, a, a meaningful difference here. Um, there, it's more about things you don't say. You don't argue. You don't ask for forgiveness. You don't try to correct your spouse's point of view. If they thought of it this way, that's how they remember it. And the big picture doesn't matter. You fall on your sword basically and say, I did this and I have, you know, I'm in the doghouse. You know, I don't get to call the shots anymore. But um, that doesn't really make up for anything because um, it doesn't go away. What you can do, however, is start a new road. You know, you can not looking at her to see how she'll react. Uh, I think it's a wife. Yeah. Not looking at her to see if she's pleased with you or not, but just saying, I'm going to do this for me and I'm going to start on the meetings and I'm going to go to the th right therapist and I'm going to go to treatment if I need to. And not because you want to influence her, you may or you may not, but because you want to show that you don't want to be that person anymore. And you're going there and doing that work will be someone that she might gain respect for, even though I don't know if you could turn that into amends. I do know that every time a spouse worries about us acting out, they feel a lot better when they see us doing things to get well, rather than talking about things that might get us well. So um, I know you want to jump on that, Tammy, because we're aligned. Tell me. Yeah, no, I and I agree. I'm, my thought is the more you work on you and be a different person so that you aren't continuing to manipulate because just because you stop the acting out does not mean that you automatically become a person of integrity. I mean, you know, that we have a treatment program. We work really hard on that. We work on shifting, you know, uh, those behaviors. But even when guys come to us, they have tools to use, but that does not mean that they're never going to lie. They're not going to try to manipulate. They're just going to have uh, hopefully the ability to interrupt that process quicker, you know, and, and move forward. She wants her 18 years back. This feels like you're very early in the process. And I get it. I completely get that. What happens, you know, for partners when they, you know, hopefully when they start seeing that, you know, the addict is changing is that they, they start being able to understand that the whole 18 years wasn't a lie. You know, there were moments that were really good and meaningful and true. And then there was this other stuff, but many times, you know, the partner, I mean, I hear it from partners all the time. I still love him. I still, you know, I still care about him. I still want to be with him. But then there's this really dark area. And so grieving the loss of the relationship you thought you had, grieving the loss of the man you thought my, you know, I thought my husband was this guy and he's not understanding that I can never fully trust him again because he has proven to me that he can lie and hurt me, that he is not trustworthy a hundred percent. That said, you know, people can eyes wide open, find a, a path forward. But if you're very early, she's angry, she's hurt, she's betrayed, you know, you've, you've known for 18 years that you've been lying and manipulating and she thought you were a stand up guy. So a lot of it is you doing the work and time, but you doing the work consistently is you know, how it starts to change. So. Well, I mean, one real quick thing. I love what you said, because I could teach this to someone in treatment, which is you added the words. If you said, um, I wouldn't have no idea how to make an apology to you right now, because everything that you would want or need would seem so insulting to you. That's exactly what she wants to hear, is that you're aware that you, there's nothing you can say to make this better. Um, and there isn't anything you can say to make this better. So uh, you're right. It would be insulting to her for you to try. And what you can do is work on you. So 
Thanks, Tammy. Yeah. And focusing on how can I manipulate her to you know, forgive me is uh, another manipulation. So, Oh, and the 12-step programs. There is a step in the 12-step programs that has to do with making amends. Uh, it's about two-thirds of the way through, and that's why it's there, because you have a lot of work to do before you do that. Um, and the real question is, why are you doing this? You know, when we get there, are you doing it because you want to be forgiven or because you really want to take responsibility for what you did? Um, and that's kind of the question. Uh, is it a manipulation or is it not? But anyway, in the 12 steps, you have an opportunity uh, at no cost to you to work on this very question, which is when would be a time and how would be the right time to make an amends? But if you're asking the question now, it probably isn't. Well, and it's often a living amends. It's living differently, you know, because lip service, you know, you've lied, you've betrayed. So so saying I'm sorry and I'm not going to do that again is meaningless showing up differently you know, is meaningful. So okay. let me say one more thing, Tammy, because yes. it doesn't get said Please. enough, is that people talk about out of the doghouse. And let me be really mm -hmm. clear. Out of the doghouse is a book for men who have done a lot of work on themselves. And they are now ready to look at how, the, how an apology would look. It's really not a book for men who haven't done their work. So when I hear a guy say, oh, I read out of the doghouse and I work on out of the doghouse and I wonder, did you do the initial work? You know, did you go to the porn group? Did you read the book about sex addiction? Did you, you know, get started on understanding your own problem before you move to let me see how I can be forgiven? I absolutely want to write a book for men to understand how to achieve some kind of uh, real amends with their spouses, living amends. But it was never meant to be a, let me manipulate you by looking like I'm apologizing when I haven't even done my own work yet. So um, if you want to take the out of the doghouse course, you have to take, we well, don't have to, but I'd like to see you take one of the uh, addiction courses first, because you need to look at your own self before you try to figure out how to apologize to someone else. But anyway, thanks, Tammy. I just want to drop that in there. I appreciate it. Hi, thanks for all you do. My husband's extremely devoted, amazing, vibrant therapist literally dropped dead at a halfway marathon um, this past Saturday morning. My husband saw him t two days before on Thursday night. He saw him twice every week in addition to doing 12 steps every day. It's almost two years since D-Day and my husband is thankfully sober since I'm working very hard. This therapist literally changed him. I can't stop crying. We are devastated. Please shed some light. I don't even know. Well, let me ask you, Tammy, um, what, what is the question about? Is it about how to work through the loss of a professional? I, I, and what I is think this so. therapist? Oh, literally changed him. This person changed their lives and his life. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please do. I, yes. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, how do I say this? I think if I were grieving, I would want to make sure I was getting support and I would want you to lean into all your support sources, whether that's family or clergy or, you know, uh, I really appreciate your being here. You're telling us that you're not doing this alone. And when I think of the people that I counseled with, I mean, I just had, I told you this time I had one of my former uh, patients die. And, you know, over the years he had reached out, I'd reached out, you know, how's your life going? Because we worked together for quite a while. He passed away last, uh, I guess, in December. And as a therapist, which is at the other end of him, of him, of it, I just felt um, really sad. I really loved this man as a professional. Never knew him outside my office, but I knew his life. I knew his family. I used to tell him, I'm like a little owl in your attic. You know, I'm up there if you need. So, you know, it was really a, a sad 
for me. And so I would flip that on you in the sense that this is a legitimate loss. This is a meaningful loss. And by the way, you could find another therapist and they may be fantastic, but they're not the person that you were working with before. It is a relationship. And it is a relationship where someone hopefully is really committed to helping and loving on you and helping you heal. So, and I know that when, when I work with an addict, I'm also helping their family, their children. You know, I know I'm not just working with one person. We can change, change kids' lives and they never even meet me in Tammy. But in any case, I guess I just want to validate that this is a very meaningful relationship. And my guess is you really depended on this therapist to hold your husband accountable. And maybe you felt really good about the recovery he was getting with this therapist. And maybe there's a little fear in here, like, well, now that he's not with this person, you know, who's going to make sure this is okay. Who's going to be the owl in our attic, so to speak. And I can understand that. I just think I wouldn't try to feel differently. Um, it sounds really, uh, there's a lot hanging on this relationship. So, and besides devastating, right? I mean, who goes, you know, how, who does that happen to? I'm sure anyway, that's, really, really sad. Yeah. I like, I'm tearing up because, you know, I mean, it's when there's a loss of somebody meaningful in your life, particularly when it's sudden like that, it's, it's just, you know, it is a major loss and yes. And then I had this moment, like one of the things that I have found is if I can focus too on the gratitude that I care, I, I mean, like that it's a meaningful relationship in my life, you know, that I'm grateful for it. I, you know, I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, wow. And this person has helped your husband and you, you know, for two years come to a very different place, yes. you know? And so, you know, so grateful for the time that that therapist was able to be there for you. And, you know, has, I suspect, given enough tools that your husband will be able to carry that forward and you will as well. Um, but that doesn't take away the loss and the hurt. Um, uh, but, but, you know, I, I, I was literally thinking of somebody um, uh, while I was out paddleboarding, I was thinking about somebody really meaningful in my life that had passed away, you know, but to have that reflection of, you know, how much they meant to me was, um, you know, I'm grateful for those that I can pay attention to that, mm -hmm. you know, and addiction, like it's just another reason to, you know, go use, but you know, that I care and it can be meaningful and I can tolerate the, the sad, but also smile at the good is, you know, is hopeful. So I'm glad you're here. Um, if you need names of qualified professionals, and I've seen this before, I want to share this too. I've been in this field and I know where um, people have lost their therapist and there wasn't a plan. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, especially if it's somebody who's young and healthy, they don't have a, a strategy for um, where their That's clients right. would go. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, so if you need um, support from that, uh, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com and let me know where you're located and I'll do my best to help you find someone uh to help us step in oh one more thing grief um uh sophia mm -hmm. coddle did a really good grief um uh podcast mm -hmm. with dr rob on mm -hmm. sex and relationship healing.com and she also does some grief groups on in the rooms.com um, that could be uh helpful as well but yeah you know you both you know you both have grief around that loss so I wanted to add two little things, which mm -hmm. is if it were me and I had uh, that had happened to me um, and I, it, it what exactly happened to you if I had passed away um, and you were my client, I would like you to light a candle for me. Oh, I would just like you to idea. buy a little candle 
And for however long it lasted, you know, I, I just, it's a Jewish tradition. Actually, on the day someone passed, we light mm -hmm. a candle that's 24-hour candle. And I just love that tradition because it is a light, it is a hope, it's a connection. And it's literally something that you can do. So, uh, you know, find your candle, do what works for you. But I, I like that. And the other thing is, I wonder if he has children or family, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, I would not, I'm a big, not a big send flowers person, but I certainly will make a donation. You know, and in other words, this is bigger than you. He has, or he probably has kids, he has family. Maybe there's something you can do that will carry your feelings through by doing a little service for him or his family. And, and you can probably just send something to his office, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it will get to him. So mm -hmm. uh, giving and, and, uh, and memorials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next question, betrayed male, heterosexual marriage with possible reconciliation. I'm 14 months out of D-Day and somewhere in the grieving my losses stage, I'm struggling with de determining if letting go is different than forgiveness. And I would like to hear your perspectives on where the two processes differentiate from each other. That's a great question. Well, uh, you're going to have to help me understand if who would be letting go and what is the I'm not sure I understand the focus. I, the, the betrayed male, so mm -hmm. the betrayed partner is a male in a heterosexual marriage. And mm -hmm. my understanding is they're looking at possible reconciliation. So he's wondering if letting go is different than forgiving the, per, you know, than, than forgiving his... the betray. If, if he lets go of right. the betrayal, is that different than oh, forgiving the I, betrayer? I it's the gender sense? thing that that confused me. Sorry, Just, I didn't. If understand. you're a betrayed partner, so letting right, right. go is different than forgiveness. So it's a great question. That's a great mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. I think letting go is about me, not about the person I would be forgiving. I think letting go is is letting go of my anger, letting go of my frustration, letting go of my sadness, just letting go of all those things that keep me tied up. And by the way, it doesn't happen. It, it's an overtime thing, of course. And hopefully, if you're seeing progress in your partner, that will help as well. But um, I think letting go, and this is, Tammy may feel differently, but letting go is about what's going on inside of me. And forgiveness is about something that you give me, so or I give to you. So and um, I don't think, uh, sorry, I don't think that I can forgive myself. I think, it, I mean, I can, but I really like forgiveness from you. And I think that's something you give me. I don't, uh, I can't make it happen um, Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to say about that, Tammy, and I hope you can help uh, help carry what I was just saying through. Um, oh, forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is like grief. grief. It comes in stages. And people just think, oh, I should forgive them or I haven't. And you know how grief, well, you may not know, but grief is bargaining and sadness and, and hoping things get better and then feeling worse. And you know, all kinds of pieces go into the grief process. And they go back and forth and up. Well, you spouses know this. You're feeling okay one day and then you're uh, feeling awful the next day. And that is your grief. Um, but, but forgiveness also has a series of things that people tend to go through and it can take a while and there are some wonderful books about the stages of forgiveness and I, i've always been fascinated in this i would really suggest you get them out and you might see where you fall in there um so i think forgiveness is a process that involves the forgiver and i think for me um letting go is about you know how do i let go of that pain so Tammy, i, yeah, I, I, I was confused I, from the get-go so well, I, and I understand that. And um, for me, forgiveness is also about uh, me let, you know, I see them, 
probably a little closer than you do because because I do you know for, for me forgiveness is about me not bear, continuing to hold the pain. Um, and so I do let go of it. I have forgiven people that I have never talked to and told them that I forgive them. I mean, it's that that's irrelevant. They probably don't, you know, they may or may not know or care, you know, that they hurt me. So, so for me at some point, um, uh, you know, I do have to let go, but I, it is a process for me. And I, I, you know, I do a, a little thing where I state that I forgive them, you know, knowing or unknowing, I forgive them. So, so I, I guess it's still all about me on this one because, because I, you know, I, I need to do that now. I have had someone, it, it was about something I did. It was you know, years and years and years ago at work and I completely muffed up and I, you know, I made my amends and the person was not in the program and said, yeah, I forgive you. And I still remember that. I don't even remember what I did. You know, I mean, it was not of that great a consequence, you know, overall, but she used the words, I forgive you. And it was so, you know, it was so um, meaningful to me to hear, you know, to hear those words from her, you know, for, so it's very powerful, you know, for a healing process, but I also think it's got to be not just lip service. So I think trust your gut as to if and when you are ready to do that. And I'll go back one more time okay. and say, and I'll go back to letting go is really letting go of all your anger, all your hurt, all, you know, that you, the stuff that is tying you up. Forgiveness, as Tammy said, goes back and forth. You have to forgive yourself. You have to figure out how to forgive them. And that's a process. And that takes, you can let go. I mean, I think you let go with a you know, in a reasonably short period of time, if you're someone who knows how to work through things and you're you know, safe inside, but forgiving that, that could take many, a long time. And if not a lifetime in some ways, um, they add, anyway, let's this, go. That, add, no, I got to listen in the chat. It said, I think Shirley Glass said forgiveness is letting go of, of the hope for a better past. I love that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.